Why are you singing? Well, let me say, uh, good. sorry, it was buffering. And uh, <laughs> come on, come on. He's back. He's back. Um, hey, <laughs> that was so bad. And yet you still laughed, which I appreciate. Uh, I've been working on that since day one. Day one. Hey, I, I think I forgot to say thanks to Chris Tenard. And um, he, he let me and Mike for like five weeks try to do it in our own homes. And then he's like, hey, that was cute. Um, will you guys let me help you film your services? So he has been here late hours, many nights. Chris and I did not leave here until after midnight filming services and different things. And then he spent days upon days upon days getting these cameras dialed in. So Chris Denard, thank you, my man. Really appreciate it. Um, I have a couple confessions I got to get out about this pause series and about our online church. And I just, you know, you just some things you need to know. Um, first one is I was not fully pantsed for most, and let me explain, just stay with it. I was, I, I uh, many, many times the sermon you saw was a nice button-up and basketball shorts, and yet you could not see the basketball shorts. Many of you were saying that's better than what he's wearing now. Um, all of the sermons were pre-recorded, so I don't know if you know that, uh, but we would record them on like a Wednesday or a Thursday or sometimes late Saturday night, uh, and then we would push them out on a Sunday morning, so that's something you maybe need to know. Um, almost all of them were filmed at night. So when you saw me with a cup of coffee on my table, there was nothing in that coffee <laughs> cup. So you need to know that. And the final thing that I just need to get off my uh, chest is that whatever I would record the sermon in, whatever shirt, uh, I would then put that same stinky shirt on a few days later for the courtyard so that you all thought it was the same day. So <laughs> I've sinned against you and I apologize. We okay? We good? No? <laughs> we all right. All the people watching online right now, they're like, dang, okay. Hey, so um, we're done with our pause series. Thank you for not clapping or clapping. Uh, no, we, uh, we did, I think, 14 weeks, 13 weeks of our pause series. If you include Easter and Good Friday and all that, maybe 12 weeks. Um, but uh, I, I feel like right now, um, I, am, I am seeing a, a world, I am seeing um, a human race that is really floundering. And um, I get the sense that, that, um, that God is calling the church into, um, like, like, I don't know, I'm, we're going to use the word restart, but um, this, this, this difference of, of kind of what that pause series was about was, was kind of sitting, reflecting, pausing, taking a deep breath, uh, kind of remembering. And I think it's time that the church um, becomes a, a bit of an army for good and wakes up and um, re really, really uh, helps make change in this country and in this world. And so we're calling this Restart uh, I don't know if you, if you guys have the first slide of, of, the, of the series, but 
Um, we're calling it Restart, and we're going to go through the book of Philippians. We're going to take eight weeks this summer. We're going to go through the book of Philippians, and uh, with the help of Bob Ryan, we came up with a little tagline, a pattern of new life, a pattern of new life. Um, we will start a new series August 9th when the rest of our church kind of gets back to business as usual. Uh, the good news for you is that you have heard me preach for 16 straight weeks, and I'm going to preach a couple more to get this series kicked off, which will be 18 straight weeks, and I know I'm sick of hearing myself, and so you have to be, because I kind of like hearing myself talk. Um, but you're going to get some guest preachers in this one. Caleb Smith will be a part of it, some others, and so uh, I'm looking forward to that, uh, to get to come under some teaching of those um, that I love. So if you are new to Christianity, if you're just tuning in, watching online or here, um, one of the things that we believe about uh, what happens when we become a Christian is that actually speaking, the spirit of Jesus Christ, the one that the Bible talks about, uh, the one that we claim is God, the one that we claim is God's son, his spirit actually indwells you. And uh, the term that Paul gives it, Paul's one of the writers of the New Testament, he calls you a new creation. And so we really believe that. We believe that you have been made new. We believe that you're not the same as who you once were. Um, there are a ton of, of amazing books of the Bible that depict this reality and, and what uh, a life in that new creation, a life in the Spirit looks like. Um, I'm just choosing that we'll go through Philippians because I think it gives a fairly unique picture to this jumpstart, restart um, that I desire us to enter into, and I'll explain more in a second. Before, before I explain the why, uh, I want to give us some context to the book of Philippians. So before we get into it, before we start pulling up uh, any verses from the book of Philippians, I want to I give us a little bit of context so we're all on the same page of what we're diving into. The first thing you need to know is that this is a letter from Paul, and he is in jail. Um, there are four books of the Bible that are written by Paul from jail, and Philemon is one, Ephesians is one, Colossians, and then Philippians. Um, he is, in, he is in Rome when he is writing this. He's in jail in, in Rome. Um, and this is towards, kind of towards the end of his life. Um, certainly towards the end of his time in jail. He's been in and out of jail. And finally he pleaded. He said, I want to make my case to Caesar. And so they put him on a ship. He gets shipwrecked. And then he gets to Rome finally. And they throw him in jail for a long time there. And so this is towards the end of it. You'll hear in the language that he talks about in this book, he's expecting uh, to get out, or he doesn't quite know what's going to happen. Is, is he, is he um, you know, going to be killed? Is he, is he going to be set free? He really doesn't know, but he knows that his time is coming to an end in jail. So this, that's kind of the, the framework of where he's at. Um, I'll say this, pretty incredible that some of the most profound truths about the gospel of Jesus Christ are written from a jail cell. Um, take, with, take that um, however you will. Um, I do know this reality is that Paul's desire in all of his missionary journeys was to finally one day get to Rome. And he gets to Rome, but not as a preacher, but as a prisoner. And uh, I, I just find that um, interesting and significant. 
want to encourage you that um, that when when restraint is put on your life sometimes it doesn't mean that beauty and truth can't come out of that season I feel like um, we we have been imprisoned in some way during this time and um, I believe the Lord is still moving I believe his truth and his gospel are still flowing uh, in a mighty way specific to this church I want to give you context for what I mean just from this church um, through all of our online videos whether it was the daily pause or our worship sets or our sermons on YouTube and on Facebook and a little bit on Instagram, um, over 10,000 views they've received. So they've been watched by 10,000 different people. And some of those you were watching sitting next to someone, right? So you could multiply that number out, who knows how large. Um, in that same amount of time, in this 12-week, 14-week, whatever it's been, amount of time, we would have probably had somewhere around two to 3,000 people gather in this sanctuary on those 12 weeks. So to think that five times, six times the amount of um, truth and gospel and preaching has gotten out from this church to the world during this time. It's pretty cool. Um, I get letters and notes from people all over the world thanking us as a church for what we are standing with and who we put our trust in, and that's you guys. That's not just some preacher. I, I, I am preaching and I have this platform because all of us are in this thing together and we believe these words are true. It's pretty cool. Can I get like a hallelujah, amen on that? Like, that's pretty cool. Come on, something. Um, little, little, little known fact about uh, this place called Philippi that, that Paul is writing to. Uh, Philippi was founded by a guy named King Philippi of Mesa, uh, Macedonia, and, or Macedonia, and um, you might know him better because he is the father of Alexander the Great. So Alexander the Great's dad was the one who founded, created Philippi. At some point when the storybooks are written and they bring up the name John Lynch. Many will say you might know him better by his son, Caleb Lynch. We can only pray. Kidding, kidding, kidding. Um, Paul is writing to this church, to these people of this town from prison 11 years after he was with them. So he showed up during his, uh, I believe it was in his first missionary journey, and, um, and then he shows up again during his third, but just for a brief time. But his main uh, occurrence with these people was 11 years earlier than when he wrote this letter. So that's, put that into context as you're hearing his words, as you're hearing his love and care and delight um, in these people. When he first showed up, he was joined with Timothy, Luke, and Silas. Um, I wanna, uh, if, if, you, if you want more information on Philippians, apart from going to the book of Philippians, it's all recorded in like Acts 16. is kind of the area when Paul was on his journey and he visited them. So I want to read a little bit to you about it. Um, Paul had a ton of desire to get to Rome, to get to different places. And if you remember from the, the book of Acts, oftentimes it would say the Spirit of God would prevent him from going there. 
You remember those kind of words? So this is, this is what's interesting. This is how he actually got to Philippi. So let's read Acts 19. We'll start, uh, sorry, Acts 16. We'll start in 9. That night, Paul had a dream. A Macedonian stood on the far shore and called across the sea, come over to Macedonia and help us. The dream, uh, the dream gave Paul his map. We went to work at once, getting things ready to cross over to Macedonia. All the pieces had come together. We knew, we, we now, we knew for sure that God had called us to preach the good news to the Europeans. Putting out for the harbor of Troas, we made a straight run for uh, Samarath, something like that. The next day, we tied up uh, at a new city and walked from there to Philippi, the main city in that part of Macedonia. Even more importantly, it was a Roman colony. They used to call this place Mini-Rome, one of the reasons Paul liked being there. We lingered there for several days. Um, I'll say this. Um, much of Paul's persecution was because of uh, coming to this city, a Roman-occupied city. His longing was to get to Rome because he knew that's where the gospel was most needed. And so that's why he was so delighted to come to find out that Philippi was a Roman colony. They called it mini-Rome. And so here's, here's what I'll just add to this is um, oftentimes I, I feel like even for myself, those, those dreams that, that I feel like are given to me from God, uh, in the end of it, they don't always look exactly the way I thought they might, uh, but it doesn't mean that God is absent from the story and that he doesn't have you right where he needs you. And so beautiful picture of this in just how the spirit of God kept moving Paul to where he needed to be. Um, I believe that's why one of the very first words out of the book of Philippians is this. He says in Philippians 1, I don't have a verse for this one, but uh, it says this, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Here's something cool. The very first people to ever put their trust in Jesus Christ in Europe happened in the town of Philippi. And I want to read the story for you. So this is Acts 16. We're still in Acts 16. This is verse 13 through 15. On the Sabbath, this is Paul writing this uh, or, or recording this. I, maybe Luke recorded it in Acts, but this is about Paul and them. On the Sabbath, we, we left the city and we went down along the river where we had heard there was going to be a prayer meeting. We took our place with the women who had gathered there and talked with them. One woman, Lydia, um, and, and uh, a dealer in expensive textiles known to be a God-fearing woman, as she listened with intensity to what was being said, the master gave her a trusting heart, and she believed. After she was baptized along with everyone in her household, she said in a surge of hospitality, if you are confident that I am in um, this with you and believe the master truly, come home with me and be my guest. We hesitated, but she wouldn't take no for an answer. Then uh, a few days later, Paul gets thrown in prison. You know the story, uh, but, I want, but I want to read it uh, about what happens. He's, so he's, he's walking around preaching the good news, and this uh, possessed woman 
maybe a fortune teller. I don't know how you would describe her. She starts following Paul and, and, his, and his compadres around, and um, she starts declaring some truth about him. And Paul gets kind of annoyed and says, you need to be quiet. And he casts out this, whatever you want to call it, out of her. And then those who had enslaved her and used her for her ability, um, they get mad at Paul. And they bring him in the middle court and they beat him down. And then they get the religious leaders and the authorities to be mad at Paul. And then they throw them in jail. And so they're in jail here in Philippi. This is one of the very first times Paul ever gets thrown in jail. Uh, and, and this is what gets recorded. This is uh, 16, 25 through 34. Along about midnight, Paul and Silas were at a prayer and singing a robust hymn to God. The other prisoners couldn't believe their ears. Then without warning, a huge earthquake. The jailhouse tottered, every door flew open, all the prisoners were loose. Startled from sleep, the jailer saw all the doors swinging loose on their hinges. Assuming that all the prisoners had escaped, he pulled out his sword and was about to take himself in, figuring he was as good as dead anyways. When Paul stopped him, don't do that. We're all still here. Nobody's run away. The jailer got a torch and ran inside. Badly shaken, he collapsed in front of Paul and Silas. He led them out of the jail and asked, Sirs, what do I have to do to be saved to really live? They said, put your entire trust in the master Jesus. Then you'll live as you were meant to live and everyone in your house included. They went on to um, spell out in detail the story of the master. The entire family got in on this part. They never did get to bed that night. The jailer made them feel at home, dressed their wounds, and then he couldn't wait for the morning. He was baptized. He and everyone in his family. They're in his home. He had food set out for the festival meal. It was a night to remember. He and his entire family had put their trust in God. Everyone in the house was in on the celebration. That was Paul's first time getting to Philippi. These were the people he encountered. These were the people he fell in love with. These were the people who motivated his heart to write the letter that you will now read. Um, so why this book? Why this story or letter from Paul? Um, before I answer the why, I want to tell you a little story that was uh, revealed to me this week uh, through one of our staff devotionals and, and Marsha Kuyper primarily, but it's a story of, of, a, of an African village. And the story goes like this. Prior to a child being born, the mother goes to the outside of town and sits under a tree. And in that moment, she um, thinks of this child that she desires to have. And in that moment, she then begins crafting a song that represents who this child is and will be. She goes back home, they have the baby, and from the moment that baby comes out, um, those who are in care of this baby begin to sing this song over this child. And as he gets older or she gets older, they continue to sing the song and remind this child who they are. And then there are moments when this child will make a mistake 
will do something wrong. We'll leave the village in, in uh, adolescent, um, what would you call it? Um, give me a word. Rebellion. Rebellion. <laughs> Angst, <laughs> yes. Um, and what this village does, I think, is one of the most beautiful depictions of what Paul is trying to do in this book of, Philippi, uh, of Philippians. On returning back to the village... The adolescent will be put into the middle of the tribe and everyone from the tribe will gather around this individual and they will begin to sing their song over them. Reminding them who they are, reminding them of who they were from day one. And the beauty of this is it's the very song they see, sing to this person on the time that they are going home when they're dying. It's a beautiful picture of what reminding an individual of who they truly are has the power to do. This book, uh, this letter that Paul writes is different than almost any other letter he writes to any other church. Um, he writes 13 different letters and this one is one of the only letters that he writes where Paul is not trying to correct a behavior, is not trying to address an issue, is not trying to say, here's a cultural problem and I need you to fix it. This is the only letter that he writes where he doesn't do that. Isn't that crazy? It's the only letter where you don't feel that Paul is trying to fix them necessarily, if that makes sense. It's a letter of him reminding those who have put their trust in Jesus of what this life looks like for those that have chosen to follow him. What, what changes have made, taken place within the heart of those who have chosen to trust him? I want to um, read a, um, a verse from Philippians, and I'll just leave you with this kind of thought today from Paul and this is kind of the point of what he's hoping to get across. This is Philippians 2, 12 through 15. What am I getting at, friends? Is that you should simply keep on doing what you've done from the beginning. When I was living among you, you lived in responsive obedience. Now that I am separated from you, keep it up. Better yet, redouble your efforts. Be energetic in your life of salvation, reverent and sensitive before God. That energy, well, it's God's energy. An energy deep within you, God himself willing and working at what will give him the most pleasure. Isn't that an astounding statement? It's the energy of the Spirit of God within you that is doing the work and it's giving pleasure to him. Isn't that, isn't that super cool? Do everything readily and cheerfully. No bickering, no second guessing allowed. Go out into the world uncorrupted and breathe a breath of fresh air in this polluted society. I wish that was more relevant. <laughs> Provide people with a glimpse of good living and the living God. That's such an amazing call that he is calling to this church. He's not trying to correct him. He's saying, look, keep doing what you've been doing. 
This world needs to see the living God play out through you. And that's what he's going to continue to do. This, this book is amazing. Uh, 16 times he uses the word joy and rejoice. And he is, um, he's locked in jail when he's using these terms. He's on display for all of us to see what the power of the living God within us does and looks like and how it comes out to play. And so my hope, my prayer during this series during this series, is that for those of us that have put our trust in Jesus, that we would be reminded of who we truly are. That we would hear that song from our new birth, that new creation song over us. And for those of us that maybe don't know Jesus, maybe you're tuning in, maybe, maybe you don't know these stories that I'm referring to, maybe you've never heard this idea of new life, may you look at it and realize that there is one that you could actually believe in that would change everything about who you are in such a way that it would bless this world in this crazy time. I am watching pain happen. I am watching darkness happen. I am even watching those amongst our community breathing pain, breathing division. And I ask you, would you let these next eight weeks remind you and sing over you of who you are and what you were created to do and what this world needs that you have and let it come out and play? That is my prayer. And so we're going we're gonna to go into a time of communion, but I want to take uh, with all of us, would you, would you just take three minutes with me, four minutes, just a couple of us where we are, would you uh, just out loud where you're sitting, would you pray with me over this book of Philippians for this body, um, that it would move us, that it would affect us, that it would remind us who we are. So just where you're sitting, a few of us, I'll close us in prayer, and then I'll lead us into communion. Cool? You with me? Let us pray.